Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode nine of season one of This Osteopathic Life. Today, I'm going to share with you a bit more of the story about how This Osteopathic Life came to be based on where I've been. So my journey into osteopathic medicine began probably when I was a kid. I always wanted to be a veterinarian. I loved animals and taking care of animals, and I always picked up strays on the street. And I thought being an animal doctor would be a great job for the future. And somewhere along the line, I thought it might be kind of tricky to take care of animals because they couldn't communicate with you. And I thought maybe being a human doctor would be a better choice. And so that was a trajectory I always felt I was on. And then I was in high school and taking a number of AP classes and kind of overscheduling myself, which I've never really recovered from, obviously. But kind of felt burnt out a bit with the idea of going to college for four years and then medical school for four and then residency for three or more beyond that. And so I sought out a program that would support kind of being involved in the health of folks that maybe tying in some of my other preferred activities. And at the time, my sister was a physical therapy student at Grand Valley State University in Allendale, Michigan and told me about this program called Therapeutic Recreation. And essentially it was a way to engage you know, with youth and with persons with physical and mental and emotional challenges, utilizing outdoor activities, you know, creative ways to engage with them and help them therapeutically. And this sounded like a fantastic program. You got to be outside. It involved you know, different levels of athletics and... Um, and really serving populations in need. And so that was my plan. And I was on that trajectory. I was all signed up and enrolled. And I was in my first day of classes at college. And one of the core classes for that major on the first day was art for special education. And I was sitting in a circle and we went around the room and introduced ourselves and had to say what we were doing and what brought us to this major. And I introduced myself and promptly said, I need to go switch my major. I'm supposed to be a doctor. And walked out of the room and went to the counseling office and reshuffled my entire major at that time to accommodate. One side note, I was intending to be a double music major in either case, therapeutic rec or pre-med, and then realized both the level of work, all the one-credit classes involved, and got to sight singing class also in that first week And they asked me, a classically trained cellist, to sing a C-sharp with no prompting, no instrumental support, 
And I thought, well, this is different than I imagined. And I probably unenrolled from that as well and stayed in the performance groups. Retrospectively, I could have taken my time and challenged myself for the music major, and perhaps we'll get back to that someday. But that was my first week of college, and so I found myself back in pre-med classes and on a relatively accelerated course. I entered college nearly a junior with the credits I had obtained from my AP classes. I was really taking kind of more of the core science classes rather than general education classes like English or math or philosophy that many of my freshman classmates were taking. But I bulked up on science and you know, enjoyed my time in the classes and in the labs and felt like I was back on the path uh, that was meant to be. And so being on this relatively accelerated course, you know, I investigated options for medical school in Michigan and in so doing, read through you know, the Michigan State offerings of MD and DO. And as soon as I read osteopathic philosophy, it was very clear this was the only way I would ever practice medicine. And in my opinion, should be the only way anyone practiced medicine, especially if it meant you could be a fully licensed, fully accredited physician, but supported by this very, in my opinion, sound, comprehensive, logical philosophy. And so that was that. And I applied early admission to Michigan State University's College of Osteopathic Medicine and was offered an interview, which required me to fly home from a year of study abroad. I did my final year, which was my third year at Grand Valley, as an exchange student to their sister school in Kingston University in um, Surrey in southwest of London in England. And I came back and interviewed and was accepted and decided to defer for the year um, to take some time, having been accelerated for so long, and just kind of chill out and then return to medical school. And I would begin in 2003 um, at Michigan State's College of Osteopathic Medicine. And when I began, you know, initially I was thinking about therapeutic recreation. I had worked in the school where my sister eventually took her first professional job as a physical therapist for severely multiply impaired children. I was a classroom aide, and I really loved working with that population. And I thought, well, what would be the most logical way to do that as a physician? And I thought pediatric physical medicine and rehabilitation, which is a pretty rare subspecialty. And at Michigan State, there's essentially one or maybe two positions per year. And at the time, my buddy, my cohort, my auditor to my scribing of the lectures in medical school was also considering that realm and he was and is a brilliant person and physician now and I thought like am I going to compete with him for that that might not be so wise and then I also thought again that's a six-year postgraduate program that sounds really long and so I paused and as I was more exposed to osteopathic manipulative treatment and the osteopathic philosophy, I also thought, you know, maybe the true osteopath is really the family doc, you know, the good old GP, cradle to grave medicine, treating everybody. And that's what I should do. And I received a notice from a graduate from Michigan State's College of Osteopathic Medicine who was studying up in Maine at Dartmouth's family medicine program. And it was a relatively rural program and you were really involved in all of your rotations and 
direct care with patients and it looked beautiful and it sounded comprehensive and it sounded osteopathic. And so I thought, well, that, that could be fun and maybe that's where I'll go. So I had Maine kind of in my horizon. And I carried on through medical school and we have to go to base hospitals for the third and fourth year of our training. And based on the recommendation of my trusty scribe, uh, we went to Muskegon, to Western Michigan, to a small community hospital. And it really benefited me because you were one-on-one on most of your rotations. So a lot of hospitals have a hierarchy and there are lots of interns and residents and medical students, you know, by the tens and dozens and twenties. And it can be hard to fight through and find your role. And in Muskegon, it really worked for me because you got to work one-on-one with the docs and on the few rotations where there were residents present, they made a good effort to really include you directly in the patient care. And so I had a lot of hands-on exposure in all my rotations and a number of terrific teachers. And it still amazes me to this day that these docs would routinely welcome a med student month after month after month, you know, to teach them. And they valued that so much. And in my time as an attending, you can see very clearly how much work that is and how much it can slow you down and you know really drain your efficiency but the value of it is so critical and crucial and for these docs in their own private practices to just welcome students with open arms is truly remarkable and I'm ever grateful for the time I had in that community and one of my early rotations was in osteopathic uh, manipulative medicine and there was a dedicated clinic on campus with an inpatient hospital rotation, which was relatively rare. And it really appealed to me and it offered kind of some different flavors of style of treatment that encouraged me that I did have kind of a predisposition for skills, both palpatory and intuitive and understanding of osteopathic philosophy and the application of osteopathic manipulative treatment. And so I was really encouraged and thought perhaps I should expand on that family medicine part and include osteopathic manipulative medicine and neuromusculoskeletal medicine in my training. And I still had Maine in my heart and on my mind. And there was a program at the University of New England's College of Osteopathic Medicine in Biddeford, Maine, just outside of Portland. And that allowed for both of those specialties to be trained side by side. And so I thought, there we go. I'm all set. I'll be going to Maine for residency And so to prepare for that, I scheduled a rotation and an interview with that program. And while I was there, loving the program, all the different teachers and the residents in the hospital had the same name as the one I had been in as a base student, which seemed like a positive sign. But unfortunately, on the day of my interview, it was announced that the program was likely closing down and they couldn't guarantee placement or pay. And they recommended you know, seeking training elsewhere as much as it would be a good match of my, you know, personality and skills and desire for practice and what they had to offer. And so at this point, I was a few months out from delivering my first child and my husband had a job back in Michigan and it seemed a little unwise to move across the country without much of a guarantee. And so I decided to stay in Muskegon and actually my scribe at that point, all these things circled around and he stayed as well. And so we became family medicine interns together. And we were co-chief interns and our successful relationship 
that started as scribe and auditor continued, and we ventured onto the path of family medicine together. And about six months into this program, it just didn't feel like the right fit. You know, it didn't feel osteopathic to me, and it was an osteopathic program, and my program director was a terrific osteopathic physician, and our director of medical education, you know, a long history of himself and his wife and his training skills in osteopathy, but it just didn't match what I envisioned my practice to be like. And so about six months in, I had kind of my, you know, semi-annual review and said, you know, this just isn't what I pictured. I think I should either quit and become a personal trainer, you know, an athletic trainer, train people, train myself and express, you know, health and you know, wellness that way, or we could start a residency in neuromusculoskeletal medicine and go that route. Really thinking that A was going to be the option because starting a new program is a lot of work, and we had kind of the underpinnings of that um, in the hospital. We'd never had a fully-fledged neuromusculoskeletal medicine residency, and we were pretty near to the deadline for an application. But my DME and the program director were willing And so we worked together and got the application through and got things approved and drafted the curriculum. And so we began in 2009 um, with two two year residents and two plus one residents and we forged ahead. And so here I was serving as chief resident in this program and really helping to develop the curriculum, you know, understand what it meant to have an approved program and meet with the American Osteopathic Association's um, review committees and you know, look at requirements, and and I enjoyed it. I really liked the administrative portion of the work. Uh, I liked having a little bit of hospital and some outpatient clinic and teaching residents and bringing the message of osteopathy to the students, and it really felt like the right fit. You know, I, I felt osteopathically I was expressing the philosophy I had understood and I was practicing it fully and I was really you know seeing a difference I was making with patients and interestingly the hospital was probably my least favorite medium for seeing patients but like anything as soon as I thought oh I can't wait to not have to you know be in the hospital this week you'd have an encounter with a patient you saw how much relief you brought to their experience and how important it was to have inpatient access to osteopathic manipulative medicine. And so that continued for a few years, and I eventually became the program director and recruited some physicians to the practice and had experience revamping the clinical space. And it was really expanding my skill set in a lot of ways, but I was also you know, burning the candle at both ends and taking on a lot of extra responsibility and working a lot, and in the process, you know, right before I became an attending, I had my second son, and as I became the program director, I had my daughter, and my husband was working a lot, and we had, you know, great support in childcare, but also looking at the number of hours per day spent with childcare versus with us seemed imbalanced, and we also had spent 10 years, you know, in Muskegon, and for me, in this hospital system, and it felt like it was time you know, to see ourselves in a different setting, you know, to really look at what we're doing and why we're doing it, how we're doing it, where we're doing it. And I'd had the opportunity in 2000, 
2012 um, to visit Ashland, Oregon. No, February 2013 to visit Ashland, Oregon for a course. And when I was running through town, just on a run, you know, I was just taken aback by all the things that my husband and I often talked about, you know, what we would have in our ideal town. And there was a sushi restaurant and a CrossFit gym and a theater and, you know, cute bookshops and restaurants. And I called him whilst running. And it also happened to be a day in February where I was running in shorts and it was sunny. And Michigan in February has a slightly different climate than that. And I phoned my husband and said as I was running, you know, I think we're supposed to live here. And he thought, well, you're on vacation somewhere sunny in February and I'm home with the two kids. I'm sure you'd think we should live anywhere at that point. And also as I described it to him, he said to me, you know, what you're describing sounds like Traverse City, a town two hours north of where we were living at the time. Shouldn't we just move there and not 3,000 miles away? And we kind of tabled it for a while. But as we felt a little more stretched and strained in our work and our home lives, uh, we decided to relook at it. And as we sought a different school for our son, our middle son, who at that point was about to enter kindergarten in 2015, I brought up Ashland again and I looked up the schools and I found a school called the Siskiyou School a Waldorf school, and as I read about their philosophy, much like when I read about the DO opportunity at Michigan State, I thought, well, of course this is how he should learn. And that was pretty much it. And I had a flyer come through for a practice opportunity in Ashland, and everything seemed like it was lining up. And so in 2015, we made a leap and kind of signed on, signed, sealed, and delivered in about March of that year, but we had to keep things under wraps for business purposes and made the announcement in July and my husband flew out to find a house. At this point, I'm hoping, I hope he thinks we should live in Ashland too. And I'd really only been there myself for kind of a four day weekend, two years before. And it was affirmed, you know, he, as soon as he got into town, loved every moment of it. The people, the climate, the shops, the food, and they found a house and, you know, we were off. So August 25th, 2015, we arrived in Ashland, and I took over that solo private practice. And it was a huge shift. You know, I went from running all kinds of things administratively to just me, me and a table and a computer in an office and inheriting a patient panel and one staff person going to helping me um, as an independent contractor and redefining myself. You know, so I wrote up an article for the local paper and you know, introduced myself to the community and began to build that patient panel. And you know, I learned a lot of lessons that first year. And the first was that I would advise strongly against anyone buying into a medical practice, um, you know, a naivete or open heart or whatever it was. I definitely could have done more research into that. But I was, you know, feeling the osteopathic the kindredship um, of this person and went for it. And I, I wouldn't not do it again because it got us here. It got us into Ashland. We probably wouldn't have made the leap without that sense of an anchor. Um, but I think it could have been done better with a little more investigation into the community and opportunities here and say la vie. But to my you know, students and residents out there, look more before you leap and rather than buying into a practice, you know, look at some other options, you know, as to 
either earning equity or you know what other opportunities exist in town or what it would take to just start your own you know would you incur less debt from that and be able to launch relatively successfully so that's my public service announcement there and through the course of that first year I experienced some physical strains myself and I sought out the care of this group of osteopaths in town and again my lack of awareness of my surroundings I could have sought them in other ways sooner nevertheless they were very gracious and cared for me personally and then also professionally we realized you know we could meet each other's needs me requiring more patients to build my panel and them requiring help to see the patients uh, this practice they had worked for more than two decades to develop and so ultimately I joined in with their group remaining relatively independent but participating in the collective and was really grateful to be back among colleagues you know just to talk about things to share experiences to bounce ideas off one another you know to talk about you know ideas for optimal patient care and it was really great and a tremendous concentration of truly truly osteopathic physicians you know living the principles professionally and personally and the relationship they developed in town with other physicians and practices and patients it was really a great place and space and you know I was able to affect some administrative roles but really primarily was seeing patients um, which I appreciated and during that time I also moved forward with the concept of this osteopathic life. And so I bought the internet domain, the website domain, years before. And it sat dormant. And I'd pull it up in different iterations from time to time. And I ran a small retreat, um, which ultimately one of my colleagues back from Michigan and from the clinic in Ashland participated in. And it was great. You know, it was kind of living the principles, talking about the principles, how we would affect them in our personal and professional lives and creating a retreat space, which was really wonderful. And then life got busy. I took over a CrossFit affiliate um, and began working with CrossFit headquarters on their health programming and true to form, much like taking many classes and feeling a bit burnt out in high school. And I overscheduled myself, overcommitted and ultimately suffered a pretty life-changing injury. I tore my deepest abdominal muscle and potentially predisposed by overtraining, but affected actually by lifting a suitcase with poor form. Um, And it rendered me pretty much immobile for the better part of two months. And for anyone who might participate in exercise as a mental health maintenance tool um, to go from exercising daily, multiple times a day, to not being allowed to walk more than two blocks at a time was pretty life-changing and forced me to develop some skills that were really lacking for self-care beyond exercise. And that's kind of where this latest shift probably truly began. And so that was in June, mid-June, and in mid-July we began to encounter our second season of intense wildfire smoke in the Rogue Valley in Southern Oregon where we were living. And it felt pretty threatening. You know, the fire came up the edge of Mount A and, you know, threatened town and the smoke was pouring in. And so 
I evacuated my clan a week ahead of a planned vacation back to the Midwest. And there began all these questions of, was that sustainable? You know, can we live there? Is this wise? And for anyone who's experienced, you know, these stressful and traumatic life moments, you can tell yourself all kinds of stories. And so you feed into that narrative however you need to to support your story. And so I found myself looking at Traverse City, that town, as my husband had noted, sounded a lot like Ashland when I described it to him. And it was back by the water, which I had missed. And there were a string of DOs where I walked and introduced myself, and all of them contacted me with various opportunities for practice. And so once again, it seemed like it was relatively well aligned. And so for that and a number of other reasons, we found ourselves back in Michigan in the time for the school year, 2018 to 19, and enrolled our kids, and I found an opportunity with a clinic called Table Health. And when I walked in, it felt like a manifestation of community wellness centers that I had written up and proposed in various iterations to my hospital back in Muskegon, to a hospital in a neighboring community in uh, West Michigan, in my gym in Oregon. And it had all these tools. It had a movement studio and a teaching kitchen and a gathering space. And they wanted someone to practice you know, medicine from a whole person perspective. And it was like, yes, like this is what I was designed to do. And I could administrate and coach and write and practice and teach. And, um, and it really felt like the universe said, like, here you go. You know, you've been training these last 11 plus years. The space has been manifested. Let's do this. And so it began, but it kept stalling and starting. And some of it was, you know, confusion on mission and not holding boundaries well. And also seeing my family and I taken from this place in Ashland that really met so many of their needs. Um, and yet being back in my home state and more accessible to my family of origin. And it was a huge struggle. And there was a lot of downtime. And physically, I was getting back to where I could exercise some. But then professionally, there were a lot of voids, a lot of gaps. There weren't a lot of patients. And so there's a lot of time, again, back in my head. And as I consider the space around me and the thoughts I'd held internally for so long, I kept circling back to this osteopathic life. And what does it mean? And how do I want it to manifest? And what potential does it have? You know, what service can it provide to the greater community and you know they seemed to line up this concept of community wellness and you know physician burnout becoming this you know kind of catchphrase in the media and really feeling that the core osteopathic principles and philosophy have the capacity to improve the health of all things you know and it's redundant but it's also intentionally so because I do think the potential is so tremendous and it's simple but comprehensive. And so I began first year with this podcast and in the drafting of the book. And my website should be ready April 1st with programs, you know, to start reaching out into different arenas, you know, osteopathic medical students, residents and attending physicians, but beyond that, to anyone in medical practice, into the general public, looking at how to better apply these principles. And it feels like I've really gotten clarity 
on that through these many twists and turns. And in our personal, which is also my professional life, we also saw that those core principles that we held as our governing philosophy for our family unit really were held in Ashland. And outside of that wildfire smoke, it was really the place for us to be. And I got a call from my practice, from that group that had welcomed me, that there were still patients to be seen and supported. And so in February, we kind of circled the wagons and you know had some real serious conversations and decided that we really did need to head back. And are graciously welcomed with open arms from the community here and can see that the walkability and the schools and the intention and the use of media and food, you know, the core principles for us, not for everyone, but for our family, really do exist here. And this osteopathic life can certainly be rooted here, you know, based in this practice, these physicians who have so effectively and to their core, practiced osteopathy personally and professionally for decades is a great fertile ground for the launch of this osteopathic life. And it also provides me a unique opportunity to be a leader for the clinic in Michigan remotely and physically um, a quarter of the time. And also my family, a summer respite with intention rather than panic and escape to return and love the lake and be near our family and be part of the community rather than tourists and visitors. And so in a very roundabout way, you know, we've found our path back to balance and of course remain open to how that might change in medicine and in life. I feel like the greatest threat is when we think we know, you know, when we're sure of something is probably when it's the most dangerous. And I hope to live in a state of wonder and learning and understanding. And it's certainly important to have a framework of a knowledge base and facts and data for sure, but always through the lens of humanity and through the lens of possibility and for evolution to take place. And so for now, this osteopathic life will exist in a website. Hopefully I can announce in the next podcast that it's live and ready in this podcast, through the book, and through the upcoming programs, and also in my own daily life through clinical practice here in Ashland, Oregon with the osteopathic consultants, through my time with Table Health and developing community wellness programming for the community there, through the Waldorf School, which is about as osteopathic as I've seen in education, and through the community connections here in Ashland, back in Traverse City, in Michigan, in the Midwest, in Maryland, where my family exists, and regionally and hopefully globally, you know, sharing this common thread of honoring the health, seeking and supporting the health, and that is what this osteopathic life is for me, and what I hope it can be for the world, and I see it as, you know, the beginning of many opportunities. And I'm grateful that I have the flexibility and that people who surround, support, and sustain me 
are on board, despite all the twists and turns, or maybe because of them. So that's a little bit of the who, what, where, when, why, and how. And we'll keep moving forward with how we can together find the best health of all things. This is The Sastiopathic Life and Dr. Amelia Beakey. Thank you for listening.